You're listening to Tech Nest, the PropTech Podcast. In each episode, you'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. Discover market opportunities, interesting data, growth tactics, and trends driving the industry forward. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. Hey, John. Welcome to the show. Nice to be, nice to be here, Nate. Um, thanks for the invite. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you. And uh, our, our listeners can't enjoy this, but we, we were talking about Scotland a little bit before the, the show. And then what, what do I have here? I had a bottle of what on my you shelf? You have an Urban 14, which I'm very jealous of. And that's, uh, it's, it's close it, to where my parents live in the Highlands. That's a lovely, lovely, gentle, smooth whiskey. So that I'm, I'm very jealous, mate. So to, to your parents, I have poured myself a nice little glass. <laughs> and so everyone knows it's 11.15 my time, but. It's never too early, mate, never too early. No, no. And shortly after this, I've got a six mile training run, so it's going to be a good day. But well, hey, we're going to jump into this. I've got John Rogers. He's the CIO. That's chief innovation officer at a little known company, CoreLogic. Uh, John leads R&D as well as driving new product development. Uh, and, and had a, a, an incredibly impressive career. And when you look at this, I mean, uh, John's experience ranges with very notable brands, uh, such as British Airways and IBM prior to CoreLogic. And so I want to start with your career path because sure. someone of your caliber, you have choice. You could go to many different places. What was it about CoreLogic that you're like, hey, this is really where I want to go and apply my skill set? Um, I've got a long track record in data and analytics. Uh, so both in the pharmaceutical world, the media world, retail world, and CoreLogic um, has the truth data set on all things property and location. And it's just, um, I'm just CoreLogic and, and myself are just very fortunate to have that, that um, truth data set. And it just powers everything mm -hmm. from you and I finding a house. So we support over a million realtor, real estate agents in the in, in North America to help you and I find a house and buy a house. Um, we touch literally 95 95% of all loans through the origination and servicing. So how, how you and I buy a house and make the monthly repayments uh, all the way through it in terms of, um, we touch about eight out of 10 uh, insurance home, uh, uh, home insurance policies and also power the claims mm -hmm. process. So how, how do you protect your house? So, so sometimes we say in CoreLogic, we help you and I find, buy and protect what probably is our biggest asset. I like that, uh, find, buy and yeah, protect. On, on, which is our house, which is for most people is the biggest purchase in their life. So it's, um, yeah, just just very fortunate. Um, if for, for any financial people on the call, you know, it's the biggest asset class in the world at $43.5 trillion. Um, and obviously, you know, when you think about affordable housing, we can make a difference uh, because we have all the analytics to help 
identify land suitable mm -hmm. for a certain type of house for a certain median income. It just, yeah, I'm just um, just very fortunate to work with with a company like CoreLogic, and uh, we have the ability to make a difference in everyone's lives to find a buy a house, make it affordable, uh, shape policies uh, with uh, federal agencies and regulators. So um, yeah, just just really at the epicenter of all things uh, in the housing ecosystem. So um, that's why I joined. I've been with CoreLogic for, you know what, it's actually come up to 10 years in, in November and literally loved, wow. loved every minute. Absolutely loved every minute. That's a milestone and that's not something I hear uh, very often in tech in general. Um, that's a, you know, that's almost like forever in tech because now if you've been there for three years, I mean, a lot, especially startups, three years, you're, you're an OG. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 <laughs> I know that, that's, around, a, that's a know? fair point. Like, cause, and then we, if you think of that, um, CoreLogic spun out of First American in 2011. And since then, we've probably right. bought along, this, along the lines of about 60 companies to oh become, you know, literally the premier property and location intelligence company on all things uh, to do with structures that are across the United States. Um, it's just, there's been so much um, diversity, uh, transformation in the company. Um, it, it's just, it's just really exciting. So I'm um, uh, just, uh, feel very fortunate uh, in, in that respect. So that's that, that definitely been a journey in the, in the last 10 years. And uh, we, we were, we were yeah. bought by two PE firms uh, just over two, two years ago. So we were on the New York Stock Exchange for 10 years, went from seven bucks to about 80 bucks, now gone private. And now we're reinventing ourselves for CoreLogic 2.0. So uh, um, that will come out shortly. Yeah, yeah. I think my first exposure to CoreLogic, um, I'm pretty sure uh, it was one of the data tools that I got through an MLS when I was a real estate agent. Uh, and it was kind of cool because I was I, I was actually not very interested in working with clients. <laughs> I was still I was still in like the marketing mindset. Yep. I was like, oh, look at this data. And the other agents in the bullpen were like, bro, just cold call, man. Just pick up the phone and, and call. <laughs> Just call people, get, get get your leads down, you know. But you know, it, it was uh, it, it's always been fun. So, so obviously, you, you have your you're you're involved in some of the most cutting edge as well as like existing product sets at CoreLogic. So you get to see a lot, and you probably have a little bit greater visibility than most people at the company as to what's most exciting. So, from your perspective, though, what's been most exciting at CoreLogic to be working on, and then um, what are you hearing from customers as a, a most exciting uh, either tool or capability coming out of CoreLogic? Yeah, uh, um, I'll go through a, a three things if that's okay. So, so uh, I'm very lucky. I, I, run through, uh, I run a research and development facility in Dallas, something called the Discovery Center. And it's a, mm -hmm. it's a Star Wars-like experience to visualize, explore, and discover new solutions. So we bring in the C-suites from the real estate sectors, the mortgage sectors, insurance, government, space agencies, technology companies, retail, oil and gas as examples, and we explore and co-innovate together. Um, 
Mm -hmm. A couple of examples. Uh, one would be uh, something we call precision marketing. So this is very simply the right message to the right person at the right time. And it's, as an example, really useful for lenders to base, basically retain their current book of business, as in as, as, as you and I having mm -hmm. a loan with that uh, lender, and finding new leads because it's, it's geo-framing uh, mobility data to 123 Main Street. So you understand the behavior sets of 123 Main Street. Mm -hmm. So if 123 Main Street is going to an open home three times in the last month or maybe going to a hardware uh, retail store six times in the last two months, that mm -hmm. might be a sign of they're remodeling their home. They might be open to a HELOC loan. So that those insights yep. and those behavioral sets are very useful because it's basically real time. And if, as, as a consumer, as a uh, just say I'm remodeling my house and I get a message and just say I'm looking at, I don't know, ESPN on my phone and an advert comes up saying, hey, would you be open to a HELOC loan with your current provider? You're like, actually, yeah, I need X amount of equity out of my home to, to increase the value. Mm -hmm. So that, that's one aspect. Uh, we've worked with a number of federal agencies on um, climate risk analytics. So really, uh, the ability for companies to measure, model, and mitigate the financial impact to every property due to climate change. And that's initially up to the year 2050. Oh. So that's... Yeah, and I, and I have some questions about sure. that because I'm, I'm, I, I, you guys gave me some previews of that while we were at Blueprint. And I think there's some really fascinating things... Um, with regards to what you've been able to collect and put together. And, and the, just to um, finish off that, that initial question, because uh, we have built a 21st century data manufacturing plant, in other words, we've got the infrastructure in place, we work on Google Cloud, mm -hmm. we have, um, we collect over 22,000 data sources as we service everything in the real estate world and mortgage and insurance. And so we get the best view of the property. So our, our you know, everything from our chief data officer in terms of Sachin Rush Powell to CIO Abe Gravilla to Dr. Howard Botts who runs science analytics, they, we literally have um, every bit of information to every single property, whether commercial or residential. And with that, then you can start really innovating at scale. So the amount of solutions we're producing now is through the roof mm -hmm. because we have the foundation in place now. So um, yeah, we're working with special agencies, lenders, prop tech, retech companies on a whole range of uh, innovations and new solution sets. So it's uh, it's really exciting, uh, Nate. So yeah, and then and then from from customers, I don't know how often time you get uh, a chance to talk to your customers, but what are they most excited about? Let's like, what's the one standout right now that is just the hot topic amongst the range of customers? You know in real estate companies, lenders, insurance companies? Yeah, I mean, obviously with um, high interest rate, low inventory, how do we stimulate uh, uh, new building development in the United States? Uh, from a core logic perspective, we're trying to lean in with affordable housing solutions to, um, we've got a 4.3 million housing shortage. You could argue there's plenty of subsidies and money. How do you get it through the funnel fast enough to get the throughput um, 
faster to build more homes around the, around the United States. So CoolLogic is working with regulators, lenders, uh, nonprofits, CDCs uh, mm -hmm. across the United States to um, tackle that, that issue. So that's obviously a, a, a very hot topic and close to everyone's heart and uh, yeah, uh, uh, right across the spectrum, a, a lot of groups are, uh, are leaning in, which is good to see. Your responsibilities obviously cover like a broad spectrum of roles and functions within the company. You know, if you're the one leading R and D, not only do you have the responsibility of keeping up, but to some degree, kind of staying ahead. Mm. What are you paying attention to yep. and reading to really impact and help drive and foster that transformation from within, but also you know reflecting outwards? To yeah, it's a, uh, interesting question. Um, Definitely, uh, the position I'm in, I'm very fortunate. Because of the R&D facility, we get an amazing cross-section of C-suites in across a cross-section of industries. So you just naturally learn a lot mm -hmm. through that interaction. Internally mm -hmm. in CoreLogic, I mean, oh my goodness, there's, uh, I think I mentioned like uh, Dr. Howard Botts, like one of the leading geospatial scientists in the world to think about different weather perils, climate risk, like literally just one of the world leaders. Dr. Selma Hepp, one of the top chief economists. Um, Pete Carroll, who uh, runs our government and policy and uh, understands how that those dynamics work across the United States. So I, I, I get to mm -hmm. learn a lot internally. And then externally, you know, um, um, people like uh, Chris Goff, who is a managing director in Houlihan about the prop tech, retech world. Always very interesting insights. Um, Mike Del Preti, uh, really interesting in the real estate mm -hmm. world. Doesn't a lot there. Obviously follow things like Amazon, Google, Snowflake, Databricks, um, a whole range of startups. Um, listen to Bloomberg, BBC News, Al Jazeera, get a cross-section across the world. Um, yeah, there's probably not enough time in the in the day, Nate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course, when when I go back to edit this, I'm just going to go ahead and use AI to insert Technos podcast into <laughs> into that list of uh, resources. <laughs> but uh, it, it makes sense, right? You have to pull a cross section because sometimes you're not really knowing, if, especially if you're in discovery, you don't know where it's going to lead to or or what necessarily problem solving for but those intakes become more valuable once you have the problem articulated and now you can go back and kind of pull from those intakes of like hey let's go deeper into yeah. this area because it I, seems like it has some shreds of truth and obviously things like um, you can draw from different sectors like uh, i've got background in retail and manufacturing and the way they think about supply chain mm -hmm. is is very opt you know it's optimized to the nth degree and you can bring some of those learnings into how they loans are manufactured, for example. Yeah. Right. So, so there's yeah, sure. ways to think about things. So yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's very useful in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just had, uh, Sean Roberts on, he's a CEO over at, uh, Villa. They do, uh, primarily in their California's leading ADU manufacturer. Mm. And we talked about this. I asked him, are you guys a construction company, basically? He's like, well, yeah, we're a construction company. But really, if you think about it, and he boiled it down of like the logistics required and how they do satellite construction. And mm. they have multiple different 
facilities they work with and they leverage AI and their algorithms on like, where did the orders get sent so that you really have like a kind of just in time sort of uh, ordering system, but for ADUs. And it's like, you know, people say on Twitter all the time, I see this thread, like, why can't we just produce homes in mass and ship them anywhere? Like, well, there's, it's actually really complicated. And the old ways of doing things hasn't really proven to be the scalable model. Yeah. And so uh, this is where we may have that advantage is leveraging data. That's right. I mean, just, just break that down a little bit. Just think, even think about when a city is trying to um, sign off on housing development. The feasibility and planning mm-hmm. typically takes double digit months to several years, just in the feasibility and planning. Partly driven by um, um, access to the right data analytics, obviously lots of parties involved. You know, for everything from mm-hmm. um, city departments to local agencies to nonprofits to MLSs to lending companies and so forth. So we're, we're trying to provide clean rooms so that multiple parties can come in and research planning and the planning and feasibility of housing development in an afternoon. Mm. Wow. Right. So that's uh, obviously early days, but just that the, the, the conundrum we're trying to solve to give access to the right detailed data analytics. Basically it produces P and L's of if you choose these 12 parcels and build this type of, bit of house with this type of material for this meeting income with these comparables in the market with this types of subsidies, what's the P&L so that you get an mm-hmm. ROI back to the land of building developer, but also build the right house for the right median income. Press button. That's what, that's, and wow. if you, because we have, we have literally have all of it, everything from land use, types of houses there today, valuations, uh, material costs, labor costs, and so we can model and help that feasibility and planning process uh, at CoreLogic. And then those clean rooms, when it, when it, just in case the audience, a clean room is basically an area where, if you like, we hold the security key, lots of groups can come in mm-hmm. and research together. So it's very transparent. It's very real time. And you, you, you find things like, um, as we go through some of these workshops, um, uh, appraisal gaps, in other words, um, sometimes new development of affordable homes are in areas where there's not enough comparables. And so sometimes it kind of drives the price right. up a little bit and that might kill the projects. But we've now built models to, based on other parts of the United States with similar characteristics and neighborhoods to provide a, a fair valuation and hopefully keep the project going as an example. So it's um, the we've got about 110 data scientists in the company and they uh, literally learn a lot of things from them every day. I mean, some of the, the, um, the science and the the technologies they're using to produce these, these models and insights is, um, yeah, absolutely uh, leading edge stroke bleeding edge. I want to shift here and talk a little bit into the climate Mm. tools. Um, you know, we've broached the topic of climate every once in a while here on the show Quite frankly, it's not been a, a focus. I've also received quite a bit of resistance sure. to wanting to get into mm-hmm. the discussion. Uh, I've heard from people in the industry, hey, look, it's not my, I'm just the, the, the manager. So until the owners say it's worth it, or until the financials yeah. come out and 
we make money on it. It doesn't yeah. really make sense to invest in or push forward with. But nonetheless, I think the evidence is pretty clear that lending and insurance are looking at climate differently yeah. as, hey, we've got to understand the risks posed here. So can you share a little bit more about that? You, you talked about the climate database that you guys put yeah. together. And what are some of the tools that are making that accessible so that this data is is usable for underwriting yep. or you know evaluating the risk of future developments? Yeah, certainly. And if I really boil it down, and I'll, I'll expand, but we provide a financial measure per property due to climate change. Once you provide a financial measure, in other words, in that the actual financial measure mm-hmm. is something called average annual loss, which is a percentage ratio per $100,000 of reconstruction costs. Once you provide that measure, it's interesting that the, maybe obviously sometimes it's, climate change sometimes feels a wee bit abstract. And also, and yes, sometimes unfortunately it's a wee bit over politicized. Once you provide that financial mm-hmm. measure, whether you're a federal agency, a brokerage, an insurer, a lender, it provides a better focus. So I can say, here's one, two, three in Main Street. Here's the pertinent perils, weather events, you know, mm-hmm. hurricanes, winter storm, wildfire. And this is your financial risk today, 2030, 2040, 2050. Indeed, we'll release a new version uh, later this quarter, which will go closer to 2100. And that helps wow. so, so if, if I, so, so we're working with federal agencies to help shape policy but think about we're working with, like say with the federal reserve board which have just run a simulation mm-hmm. in um the year 2050 against the top six banks uh imagining it was a hurricane event in the northeast region of the united states and understanding the practices and processes of the six banks to assess risk and mitigate it all the way through to mm-hmm. we're working with banks think about the sec guidelines that are likely to become regulation soon, which is every public company needs to disclose any financial materiality risk due to climate change. And it breaks down into three areas, really one on your book of business. Wow. So if you, if you hold loans as a lender, two on your physical footprint, I've got offices and warehouses and distribution centers. And thirdly, you mm-hmm. also, uh, need to be aware of what your third parties are doing. So you know, if you're a retailer and you have a whole set of trucks and vans that you use with third party. And well, even if you're purely digital you company, go. your data. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, 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 so we use Google that underpins our climate risk analytics and uses the, you know, huge amounts of compute and they're going to be net neutral by the year 2030. So, so we need to understand so 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 the so so So, there's there's lots of things actually happening now okay and it's it's interesting that so i would i would argue that um yes you're right it has it's a bit abstract a bit over politicized and now because we can provide a financial measure along with other initiatives that are happening there's a business case to be made Mm -hmm. in terms of one the supply chain of building homes and the clean energy usage of homes so as a sector, we actually contribute 40% of all greenhouse emissions compared against other sectors. So it is time that we lean in. The way CoreLogic leans in is we provide that climate risk analytic 
which helps companies understand their risk due to climate change. And depending whether you're a regulator, insurer, the different um, needs for it. So from an insurance perspective, obviously now you can get very granular to setting a premium for the homeowner, Mm -hmm. that's fair. And secondly, also provide incentives to the homeowner to lower your premium. So wildfire, uh, no brush under your deck, uh, fence 12 foot away. There's loads of uh, different um, prerequisites that the insurer will, will provide to the homeowner to, to keep lowering down that price, which which is the right thing to do. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pause there, Nick, just in provided a lot of information. No, I think that was super helpful. And in fact, I mean, I think it demonstrates like the, it's not just the um, potential benefits, but it's truly that there seems like the required need. It's not just today's need, but there's going to be an increased required. Yeah. And so being aware of and understanding what this data is and how it's going to potentially impact your business. It also to me sheds light on that the, uh, you know, the race for, building out data centers and owning data, obviously like Amazon versus other servers companies, you know, it's been a, it's just been a total gold rush, if you will, for companies in that space. But now there's differentiation potential of which one has a, you know, if your, your, your net footprint is smaller uh, than another data infrastructure company from a public company yeah. perspective, I could see why that that would now suddenly have advantage of the, if there, if all other things are equal, well then we go with the one with the, the smaller footprint because of its exactly. impact. And then um, uh, CoreLogic helps a lot of retailers and manufacturers on site location and also to make sure it's in a low climate risk area and also understand mm. what resilient material do I need to use to withstand certain weather events. And unfortunately, the number of major weather events is increasing due to climate change. Mm-hmm. So, and, and uh, you might have heard of me say this before, let's see, like, just a useful stats to think about. Since 1980, on average, there has been eight major weather events in the United States that caused over a billion dollars worth of damage. Last five years, that number's increased to 18 major weather events. This year alone, it's, it's up to 23. And so there, there is a theme that we should be very aware of that the frequency intensity unfortunately weather perils is increasing and mm-hmm. um, what might be not as well known to uh, to, to yourself Nate, and, the, and the audience uh, we provide we've been, we've been providing peril model, excuse me peril models and the associated reconstruction value and the risk to insurers for decades so that whether that's winter storms hurricanes earthquakes and so forth and mm. that's um, those models are that, that what's being produced uh, uses like absolutely top draw machine learning models to understand the impact and the frequency across the United States. Indeed, we literally run 300,000 scenarios per property per peril. And that really provides that distribution wow. curve work out average annual loss, work out probable maximum loss, which helps many different constituents across the, the housing ecosystem. So at CoreLogic, we spent over two years of blood, sweat, and tears 
building that model and it, it, it I can imagine. a lot of supercomputing power to, to do that so uh, um to, to put you on yeah. the spot i have a question about a very specific one but there's the uh concern seawater is rushing up the mississippi river and could essentially uh infiltrate the aquifers in and around new orleans do you guys have models on that of like what that impact could be at all on that, is that on something that, you guys uh, pay attention um, to Personally, don't know that off the top of my head. I don't, but we do literally. No, no. <laughs> I totally put you no, on the no, spot no, like a good. random it's weather all, it's event. All it's all good. Um, <laughs> but in saying that, we, we literally cover every single type of weather event, every single bit of land in the United States, every parcel. So uh, I could literally bring up uh, a map right now, drill into that area, and understand the risk profile for every single structure across, I, across the I'm just saying, there. look. I'm not trying to sell products here, but if I was in the PR department, I think there's a story here of uh, putting that data together. Oh. You're going to be on. You're going to be on the major news networks tomorrow talking about the impacts of this uh, this water crisis that's happening. Oh, in oh, Orleans. I'll definitely take a look at that one. We we do do a lot of research in terms of. Sure. Um, and I'm just going to be a, a quick one, just like uh, the paradox of Miami. Miami-Dade County, hottest market, 15 points above the norm in terms of valuations across the United States. And yet it's the, wow. it's the most riskiest county due to climate change, obviously because of uh, the frequency intensity of the hurricanes. Um, investors have doubled over time pre-post-pandemic, mostly small-time investors. Um, there's a lot of work going on in terms of how do you protect houses. So everything from there's ordinance that you have to build a five foot seawall in certain areas uh, around there to um, FEMA just released a few weeks ago, $3 billion in terms of um, a resiliency program across 38 states, everything from protecting houses mm-hmm. in Texas, a winter storm to floods in Louisiana. And it's just a, a really key metric Nate, is for every $1 spent on resiliency for a property equates to $6 mm-hmm if the actual major weather event happens in terms of disaster recovery. So just in terms of the, the, you know, the business case, that actually makes sense. So a lot more groups are oh. leaning in now to both make it the housing system more resilient and also the supply chain net neutral in terms of carbon emissions so that, you know, concrete companies that, uh, that produce concrete that don't produce carbon emissions yeah. as, as an example so um again just at, at core logic because we have all the data analytics on all things property and location we're leaning in to provide the financial measure and the risk profile for each structure so um yeah just, just uh, you know we can make a difference yeah i'm going to take a uh, little shift here i mm. want to talk specifically prop tech given our audience um, but also, you know, I have an opportunity to look at a lot of different businesses and I get some kind of behind the scenes demos and I see a lot of companies starting from scratch and this is the, this is the classic conundrum. Should I build it? Should I buy it? I like to add in a third option. Should I embed it? Cause it's neither. And then you kind of work with like affiliate models, mm-hmm. uh, through the embedded, but this is something that is, is constantly plaguing founders of where do they want to go? What do they invest their, their tools and capabilities in? 
uh, and really which they take off the shelf and or do they hire an offshore you know engineering team to to build a build it from the ground up through their specific use case. I'm sure you see lots of this, and this is probably in a lot of your discussions because you guys have gone out and built a lot of the different mm-hmm. tools. Probably the simplest one we could use for reference here is like an ABM. Yeah. You know, what is the role that CoreLogic helps in working with prop techs yeah. determine if they should build or buy? Yes, uh, great question. We work with lots of prop tech and retech companies, and they're you know, just amazing in terms of what they're doing and trying to disrupt markets. Um, the way we help from a core logic perspective is we literally have a um, turnkey data science platform called Discovery, which allows retail and prop tech companies to play with our data, research, and build new models. And they can collaborate with our data scientists to help them expedite so take time toss uh, time cost and energy out and, and you know use their valuable dollars and investment where it comes to things where like you mentioned valuation models it's interesting mm-hmm. um, I would argue pretty strongly if that valuation model is not what is being sold to their consumer their buyer I'm always veering towards them buy it I'll give you an example, valuation models. CoreLogic spent 20 years on valuation models, right? We we, we just Mm -hmm. released a a brand new uh, version last year. Significant investment. Uh, We're in the top two. We're audited. Uh, We have third-party verification. It is used, that valuation model is used in earnest to underwrite loans. So it's the need to be accurate is obviously very high. It's frequently put to the test. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, I always, um, our advice to the retech and prop tech founders is, if that's not part of your IP and that's not part of what you're selling to your your buyer, I would tend to buy it off the shelf because otherwise you're going to spend your valuable investment dollars on on the prerequisites and the, and the foundation, and I just, I just mm. sometimes, I think there's, um, I'd rather, I'd rather those retakes from prop uh focus on what their IP is and their product for for the consumer market, or, or if it's a B two B market. So, yeah, I, I would, I would vid, yeah. vid towards buying it. Yeah, maybe we'll get a TechNest affiliate code that we can insert here <laughs> into the, into the, the podcast description afterwards. Just kidding. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's totally, this is one of those conundrums, right? And you know, like I said, I, I like to add that third option in here. And this is something that I've seen, especially, you know, you get started building a point solution, but the market really, um, you know, and this is almost every sector of real estate, um, building a, you know, having six, seven, eight, different point solutions to run your business really gets tiring um, and it gets complicated to scale. And so this is where integrations and this is where, you know, quickly being at being able to add those table stakes features um, to your platform or to your tool really becomes important. So, you know, that's a, it's always, a, I think, a, a scenario that founders are, are weighing, you know, whether they should build by or, or embed it. But um, John, we're going to make a shift sure. here. We're going to jump down to the bottom of the show. I'm kicking off a segment here called For the Future. 
for the features when I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. And you cannot use CoreLogic tool sets to to give your answers. I'm trying to do this on your own dome. (laughs) You ready to play? Let's do this. Question number one, what does CoreLogic look like one year from now? And feel free to specify that to one tool or initiative that you've got going. We will have the equivalent to the Bloomberg terminal, which is the iconic financial marketplace to all financial professionals. We'll have the equivalent for property professionals. Let's go. If you need beta testers. um, Definitely. I would like to raise my hand for that. (laughs) All right. Question number two. If you could break this down to a percentage, and we're talking residential mortgages here, by year end 2025, how much will climate data impact mortgages? And that is the underwriting of the mortgages. Good question. By 2025. So we are advoc- so we are advocating that all perils be assessed at every purchase of every home. Currently it's the flood. If you're in a 100 year FEMA flood zone, Mm -hmm. we are advocating that all peril should be assessed. How long that will take is a good question. I think, um, I think we're in the education phase right now of climate risk mm. and with CoreLogic providing a financial measure, it provides an important component in terms of that education. So I'm confident it will happen this decade. Okay. Hey, that's a, uh, that's a good, good prediction there. I, I gave you too aggressive of a, a timeline 2025 feels far out when I say it, and then I realize it's actually in a bit like yeah, yeah. the corner. <laughs> that's good. That, that, that was a good oh, question. That was, I, wrong. Yeah, that was a very good question. <laughs> All right, question number three here on For the Future What's one industry trend you think will continue but you wish would go away? Um. I don't know if I wish it to go away. I, I, I think um, things like virtual reality, the applicability to people in in enterprises and companies is pretty small. But I think there's uh, maybe I'm old fashioned there, Nate. Like I, I, I can put on a VR set. Oh, I, okay. I can put on a VR set and bring up every single home in the United States. But the applicability of it, I'm not too sure. I, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna push back. I normally don't no, push back do. on this. And I'm gonna offer a, a maybe this is a correlation, maybe causation. Uh, but the explosive growth of EXP and gaining market share mm-hmm. is undeniable, and they happen to have an entire VR environment for their entire workforce. So I'm just saying. Maybe it's not VR. What, what, what do you call that? It's virtual. It's not, in, it's not you, VR. You can have, right. you can have, all, you can have augmented reality. 
which is a bit of, you know, you can use iPad and for, to, to, to get uh, both. Yeah, that's the Pokemon Go. Yeah. That 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 that, yeah, that, yeah, has, that yeah. certainly has um, applicability. Yeah. I think just VR. That I want to see more. I think of. VR sets helping you know some training use cases, and you know, if I'm a forklift driver or you know, there's there's certain specifics, but yeah. I, I, and trust trust me, I, I've tried. Have you used them much? VR loads. I, I can bring up a house and sim. sim uh, do Do you get sick? I've gotten sick using it. Um. Yeah, uh, I got too dizzy. What's it twice the yeah, falling over because you just become very <laughs> great. I was sitting. I, I was at Facebook. This was a few years ago. I was at Facebook. I was with a, uh, a like a mastermind group I was part of, and we had some inside contacts. So we got to get, go behind the scenes and do a whole bunch of stuff. And and one of them was we were like previewing some of the Oculus stuff before it was released yeah. to the public. And so we, I sat down and put the headset on. I had the little controllers, right? And this was my second time using a headset. The first time they put someone put me in the middle of like a Marvel, like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy war scene. And that was just too much. It it was amazing, but it was also too much. This time they put me in that like little environment where you can like run around and you are your own person. And I, I was really struggling. I had to take that thing off. I was like, I can't do, I was sweating. I found that it like really made me uncomfortable. Maybe I just, I'm not used to it yet. And I'm not uh, poo-pooing all over the idea here, but um, I'm I'm not there yet. So, um, all right, final one here on for the future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? Uh, what I think will advance is obviously things like gen- generative AI. I mean, we've we've got some things in the oven and how to leverage Gen AI, and um, obviously key to that is you work on the truth data sets. So you know we're, we're in a lucky position that CoreLogic has that so that you know it's uh, the old adage of garbage in garbage out gen ai will um amplify that but if you're working on the right data yeah. set it's pretty amazing so uh yeah who who'd ever thought our seventh grade computer teachers would uh would have been right with that just telling us constantly garbage in garbage out and, and it's still, it's still true today. today. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm being a little bit harsh. Uh, Gen AI is basically a next word predictor. I'm being very harsh there, but just it's not it's not a brain, if that makes sense. It's not um, sure, uh, and it's amazing. So, so imagine what we're doing across. You know, we, we use AI across the board in terms of our manufacturing plant, how to help consumers find the perfect home. How to you know in the evaluation models and mm-hmm. um, you know um, the QC process for appraisers, optimizing the claims process to get the homeowner back in the home as fast as possible. So we use AI across the board, and Gen AI is just you know a, a, another important facet to that whole world. And um, I mean, it, it is amazing. But if yeah, using the wrong data set, you can get into uh, a lot of uh, scary results. So. Uh, yeah, but it's definitely exciting. Yeah. All right, John. We're going to jump to the last three. I've got three questions for you. This is for our listeners to get you get to know you just okay, a bit more. Sure. Uh, here, first one. What are you reading? Ah, uh, finished a book called uh, Loon Shots by Safi. Oh yeah. I don't know if you've ever read that. It's fantastic. Just about you know. 
I've never read boss. it. I've heard it referenced a lot in other books. You know what? Like, like every idea gets killed three times. Why some countries are more successful than others. Why certain companies are successful or not. And so you imagine all the famous companies around the world, you know, from your Disney to your Pixar's to pharmaceutical companies and what is mm-hmm. successful. And, um, and like, just give you a quick, um, there was a radar system used, uh, invented in 1926 by two U.S. Navy engineers, but didn't actually, wasn't used in until 1942 as a radar used by the Western forces against German U-boats in the Atlantic. It's just, why why did it take? I do remember. Why did it take decades? It's just amazing, but... Well, the, the the guy that came up with that, right? He was pushed back against. They were like, no, this That's is right. not worthwhile right. of an idea. Yeah. Like, he ran up against all That's kinds right. of red tape in the military. And it goes through that story. Yeah, just, yeah, just, yeah. just as a yeah. example. Anyway, just, it was a great book. It's kind of, it makes me think of the guy who realized why people were getting, um, uh, what's that called if you don't eat fruits and vegetables? What's that? If you don't eat fruits what's and vegetables. That? I forget what it's called. I'm not too sure. Yeah, if you don't eat fruits and vegetables, and it was something that everyone who was sailing between Europe and and um, uh, North America, they were they were coming down with oh, this. And so uh, scientists scurvy, discovered right? scurvy. Yeah, 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 scurvy. And he was like, "Hey, all you need to do is like just eat a lemon, and you'll be fine." And the whole scientific community pushed back against him, and he was ousted Interesting. as a scientist. And he was a just like claimed to be like totally made a disgrace oh, wow. until I think he died. And then they realized like, Hey, wait a minute. This thing kind of works. Oh, my oh sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's interesting. Why do some ideas catch on and why do others? Don't? Right. All right. Number two here, who are you learning from? You mentioned a bunch of people on your team, but I'm curious if there's anyone else. Who am I learning from? Um, currently, uh, I was very fortunate to meet, Dr. Mujega Cooper from NASA JPL. He's a planetary protection engineer, basically making safe uh, Mars safe. Wow, that was pretty. That was just amazing. And I, I'm an aerospace engineer at heart, so um, yeah, that was that was just amazing. There it is. Our last one here for you, John. What inspires you? What inspires me? Um, I think, uh, have you ever heard of, um, a company called Not Impossible Labs? No. So it's run by a gentleman called Mick Eberling and that gentleman, absolutely inspirational. N- nothing's impossible and he does amazing work from building um, artificial limbs for children who have had them blown off from landmines to enabling. Uh, wow. Um, th- this first story was enabling uh, a- an artist to, who unfortunately was paralyzed from the neck down to paint a game with his eyes, but he's very modest. Just very but cool. yeah, if you haven't heard of it, check out Not Impossible Labs. The, the videos and stories yeah. will give you goosebumps. 
notimpossible.com is the is the the website i just found yeah. it here um i appreciate you shouting no that way. out john it's been a lot of fun uh it was so good to actually pull together this interview make it happen uh and to hear more about what you're getting to do behind the scenes at core logic and what you guys are creating before we close out here for those who want to either get in touch with you or learn more about core logic where do they go and how do they do that obviously uh on corelogic.com but please feel free to reach out to me also on the email J-O Rogers at CoreLogic.com, R-O-G-E-R-S. Um, um, happy to uh, talk through that. I'm, I'm on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter as well, so please reach out to me that via those uh, mediums, uh, whatever's easiest for whoever wishes to reach out. Yeah. So, uh, um, But yeah, I absolutely love uh, meeting people and uh, clients and, uh, and uh, working, collaborating together. Yeah, well, th- thank- thanks again for this. I uh, hope to see you around at the next yep. conference. Uh, I'm going to enjoy open. enjoying my, my scotch here. <laughs> we'll see you around. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks again for, for hosting me, Nate. It's been very enjoyable, so thank you. Thanks for listening to TechNest, the PropTech podcast. Find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode on technest.io. You can get future episodes delivered to your ears directly by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast apps. Follow TechNest on social media to stay up to speed on new developments, resources, and announcements in PropTech. Your support is greatly appreciated. There's two ways you can directly support this podcast. Share episodes you find interesting and then leave a review of the show in the App Store. From Nate and the TechNest team, thanks for listening.